Lesson number 94, Surah Al-A'raf, ayah number 138 to 154. وَجَاوَزْنَا And we made to cross بِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ With the children of Israel الْبَحْرَ The sea. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the Bani Israel to cross the sea. فَأَتَوْ So they came, meaning the Bani Israel, after crossing the sea, they came عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ Upon a people يَعْكُفُونَ They were devout, meaning they were devoutly worshipping عَلَىٰ Upon أَصْنَامٍ Idols لَهُمْ for them. When they crossed the sea, they came upon a people who were dedicatedly worshipping their idols. In the previous verses, we learned about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved the Bani Israel, rescued them from the oppression of Fir'aun. Musa alayhi salam was sent by Allah in order to rescue them. And when Musa alayhi salam came, he did two things. First of all, he invited Fir'aun to the worship of Allah alone. And secondly, he also asked him to let the Bani Israel go. But what did Fir'aun do? He refused. And so, Musa salam he showed him many signs to prove to him his truthfulness. But Fir'aun did not listen. And eventually what happened? Punishment upon punishment was sent upon Fir'aun and his people to warn him, to warn them of the greater punishment that awaited them in the hereafter if they did not obey the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But every time a punishment came upon Fir'aun and his people, what did they say to Musa? That pray to your Lord, remove this from us and we will let the Bani Israel go. But eventually what happened? They didn't listen. Every time the punishment was lifted, Fir'aun and his people went back to their old ways. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Musa salam to take the Bani Israel secretly by night and take them out of Egypt and take them to their home in Palestine. But what happened? When they left Egypt, two things happened. First of all, there was a sea right in front of them. And they came without any boats. And they came with their belongings, their children. And there were amongst them women as well as old people. So they had to come up with some other way of crossing the sea. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He made them cross the sea. How? Allah commanded Musa salam, throw your staff and what will happen? The sea will part. And that's exactly what happened. The sea parted and there was a clear path, a dry path. Just imagine going through the sea and the Bani Israel just walked from one side to the other. They crossed the sea so easily. Just try to imagine this in your head. That you're walking and on your sides, both your sides is water. I'm sure you've seen several movies in which such scenes have been depicted. And just looking at that is so fascinating. Imagine going through this in real life. This was indeed a miracle. This was indeed a great help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the Bani Israel. So, وَجَاوَزْنَا بِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ الْبَحْرَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them cross the sea. Safely, they came from one side to the other. And the second thing that happened over there was that Fir'aun, he followed them. When he discovered that Bani Israel had left, he followed them with his armies, with his people. Everyone came in order to take the Bani Israel back. But what happened? As Fir'aun and his people followed them through the sea, as they reached the middle, all the water, it collapsed on them. So they all drowned. They literally 
every single one of them was annihilated. Because you wonder that how was that civilization destroyed? How? Because their homes are standing, everything is there, but the people are gone. How did all the people disappear? Because every single one of them came after the Bani Israel in order to pursue them, in order to catch them. But when they came, they finished, right before the eyes of Bani Israel. So when the Bani Israel, they crossed the sea safely, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rescued them. What happened? They came upon a people, they saw some people who were ya'kufuna. Ya'kufuna is from Ain kafa. Akafa, ya'kufu, is to remain in one place with dedication. So for instance, from the same root is the word i'tikaf. What is i'tikaf? That a person remains in the masjid. Why? In order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't leave the masjid. Has any one of you done i'tikaf? Yeah? So what do you do? You just go to the grocery store, get yourself some stuff. You feel like going out with your friends. Can you do that? Can you do that? No, you can't. You can't even socialize that much. People in Irtikaf, what are they doing? They're in their cubicles, hmm? literally all day, all night. The only time they come out of there is to either worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in congregation or to fulfill some need of theirs, like eat something, shower, change, whatever. For that reason only, they come out of their cubicle. But otherwise, they are constantly... In there. So Akafa Yaqufu is to constantly remain in worship. How? With devotion, with humility. So they saw some people who were dedicatedly worshipping who? Asnamillahum. Asnam is the plural of Sanam, idols. So imagine people who are constantly around their idols. Constantly devoted to their idols. When it comes to idolatry, people who worship idols, there are some who will, you know, come, serve their idols, go back. And some will come, you know, make a prayer, prostrate, give some offering, and then go back. But there are some other people who constantly remain in devotion, in worship of their idols. In fact, some people are appointed to remain by the idols all the time. Is that true? Yes. So basically there are some people who remain in the temple by the idols always. And they dress in a particular way, sometimes in a very unkempt hair, and their dressing also is not impressive because they're constantly devout to the idols. And they're also managing all the offerings that the people are bringing to the idols. So anyway, the Bani Israel saw that there are some people They're worshipping their idols so humbly, so dedicatedly. When they saw that, they were very impressed. They were like, wow. They were impressed by that. It was a new thing that they saw. Or it was something similar to what they had seen the people of Fir'aun doing. Now when they saw that, قَالُوا they said, يَا مُوسَى O Musa, اِجْعَلْ You make lana for us ilahan a god Kama just as lahum for them aliha gods. That these people, they have so many idols. Musa, can we please have one idol? Can we please have one god? Because we want to do what they are doing. Musa alayhi salam qala, he said, innakum indeed you qawmun are a people tajhalun, you are ignorant. He didn't know what to say. He's like, you are just ignorant. You don't have any idea about what you're saying. 
Now the Bani Israel, they lived as slaves for a very, very long time. And what did they see? Idolatry, polytheism. Because the people of Fir'aun were an idolatrous nation. And they were obviously impressed by them because people of Fir'aun more wealthy, more influential. They were the ones in power. And the Bani Israel, they were oppressed. They didn't possess anything. They didn't have any authority, no power, nothing at all. And typically what happens is that those who are oppressed, they think highly of those who oppress them. They get impressed by them. Because they are afraid of them, they are in awe of them. So they want to imitate them. And the Bani Israel, because of their enslavement, they had become ignorant. Their slavery left them ignorant. Because when a person is a slave, then think about it, they have no personal time. They have no freedom. When will they learn? When will they worship Allah? When will they have time to dedicate to their religion? They don't have that. So because of this slavery, they had forgotten about their religion. They were ignorant of the basic, basic principles of the religion also. Basic principles. Now every Muslim, the one thing that they know is that Allah is one. Isn't it so? No matter what their level of religiosity is, no matter what their background is, if you ask them, they will know at least this much that Allah is one. We worship Allah. This is something that distinguishes a Muslim from a non-Muslim. But we see that the Bani Israel didn't even have this much awareness. This is what slavery did to them. Now, if you have studied this, and I'm sure you have come across this, that when slaves were brought into North America, years and years and years ago, decades ago, many of them were who? They were Muslims, right? And they were the children of muhaddithin, of hadith scholars. They were the children of Qur'an teachers. In fact, many of them were Qur'an teachers themselves. But because of slavery, what happened? They lost that knowledge, they lost that religion, and over generations, what happened? Their children, they didn't know what religion was. They became completely ignorant of their religion. So they may have traces of Islam in their culture, in their names, but Islam is missing from their lives. So imagine something very similar must have happened to the Bani Israel. So this is the reason why they asked Musa salam, we want to have an idol as well. Because they were completely ignorant. And Musa salam said, إِنَّكُمْ قَوْمٌ تَجْهَلُونَ You are a people who are ignorant. So what does this ayah teach us? That when someone wants to imitate others, just because he has seen them doing something different, what does it show? His lack of knowledge, his lack of understanding. Because if a person has knowledge, then he will be able to differentiate between what is right and what is wrong. And if a person is blindly copying, imitating others, even though when they're wrong, what does it show? His ignorance. Because if he knew, he wouldn't follow them blindly. And also we see that many people, when they come across a foreign culture, Hmm? When they come across a foreign people in a foreign land, what do they do instantly? Imitate them. Right? In the way they dress, in the way they speak, in the way they worship, in everything. 
in the way they live, in their lifestyle, they imitate them. And if they do that, it shows that they lack knowledge. They lack knowledge. It doesn't mean that you can't eat the food that other people are eating. No, you can. And this is normal. That when you go to a certain place, you naturally adopt the culture of that place. Right? But to adopt their wrong practices is a sign of ignorance. So they were clearly in need of knowledge. Musa a.s. he said, Inna, indeed, هَؤُلَاءِ These people, meaning those whom you are looking up to, whom you are very impressed by, whom you want to imitate, the polytheistic people, these people, mutabbarun. It is destroyed. Ma that whom they fihi in it. Meaning the action that they are engaged in, meaning the idolatry that they are busy with, remember that this is mutabbar. This is going to be destroyed. Mutabbar is from the root letters ta-ba-ra. Tatbir is to destroy something and demolish it. So for example, there is a building. It is literally raised down. It is literally broken and demolished. This is what tatbir is. Not that a window is broken and a door is broken and one floor is destroyed. No. The entire building is collapsed. It is demolished. This is what tatbir means. So, mutabbar, one that will be demolished, meaning one that will be destroyed. Musa a.s. is explaining to them, this shirk, this idol worship that they're doing, this is an action that is going to be a source of their destruction. And whatever else they're doing in their life is also going to be a waste. Why? Because shirk, what does it do? It destroys all of a person's good deeds. This is why Musa said, وَبَاطِلٌ And false, meaning worthless. مَا that which كَانُوا they were يَعْمَلُونَ they do. So this action of shirk, it is not going to bring them any benefit in this life. And secondly, because of this shirk, everything else that they're doing is also ruined. Because when a person, he worships other than Allah, then are his needs fulfilled? No. Because who is the one who can actually benefit you? Who can actually remove some harm from you? Who is it? Some idol? A person? A saint? A grave? A tree? A ring? Can they benefit you? Can they protect you? No. Who is it that has all the power to benefit you, to harm you, to protect you? It is Allah alone. So when a person is worshipping other than Allah, then that action is a waste. It's useless. It's not going to benefit him at all. Even if a person worships other than Allah for hours and hours, for days and days, for years and years, for their entire lifetime, it's not going to benefit them. It's not going to benefit them. This is why in the Qur'an Allah says that who is more astray than the one who calls upon other than Allah and he will not be answered at all. It's like, you know, if you call on a particular number and it just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and these days, alhamdulillah, you have answering machines so at least you can leave a message. But some people, they refuse to get that. So what happens? There was no answer. Right? That's what you hear. So this is what happens to those people who do shirk. They make dua and the duas are just lost. They will never be answered. Why? Because those whom they're calling upon, in reality they don't exist. What's the reality of an idol? Nothing. And 
If there are some other beings whom they are calling upon, they have no idea that they are being called upon. They have no idea that they are being asked. So this action of shirk is a waste. And secondly, because of this shirk, every other deed that they are doing, charity, you know, offerings, uh, being nice to other people, their honesty, their loyalties, everything else that they are doing is a waste. Because what does shirk do? What does shirk do? It destroys all of a person's good deeds. No matter who that person is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at one place in the Qur'an, He mentioned so many prophets. And He says that if they were to do shirk, all their good deeds would be wasted. Can you imagine? The Prophet ﷺ was also told that in أَشْرَقْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ If you do shirk, then all of your good deeds would be wasted. So Musa ﷺ is explaining to them that look at what you're asking for. What they're doing, what you're asking for is an action that is useless. And secondly, it's going to destroy everything that you do. And Qala, he said, Aghaira, is it other than Allahi Allah, Abghikum, I seek for you, Ilahan God? Do you want me to find another God besides Allah? You want to worship someone other than Allah? Wahua, while he, meaning Allah, fadalakum, he preferred you, alal alameen, over the worlds. Meaning, when Allah preferred you over all of mankind, then why should you prefer someone else over Allah? Why? If we prefer someone else over than Allah, when the fact is that Allah alone gave us everything, then this is the height of injustice. This is the height of ingratitude. The question is, how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prefer the Bani Israel over everyone? How did He faddala? How did he prefer them over everyone? Hmm? How? Yes. Okay, but this was going to happen later. At this point, how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prefer the Bani Israel? He saved them from Fir'aun. Can you imagine an entire nation that has been enslaved because of their own wrongdoing, so technically they deserve it, because of the sins that they're committing and because of the way that they're dealing with people, technically they deserved it. But still, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent His messenger to save the Bani Israel. Imagine the sea was parted for them. Can you imagine? The sea was parted for them. Their enemy was drowned before their very eyes. These were people who were completely ignorant and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was going to make them leaders. Allah was going to make them leaders. Can you imagine? Who is given leadership? Someone who has done something at least. Who shows some potential. But these were people who didn't have any kind of knowledge. Imagine they didn't even understand the concept of Tawheed. But Allah with His mercy, He chose them. And He had a great plan for them. So He preferred you over all the people of the worlds, And here you are wanting to prefer an idol over Allah. I mean, think about it. And if we reflect on our lives also, everything that we have, that we enjoy, that we take pleasure in, that we have fun doing, why do we have it? Who gave it to us? Who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? What did we ever do to deserve it? 
What did we ever do to deserve all of these blessings? If you think about it, there's so many people on this earth who don't have what we have. But Allah gave it to us. And here we are preferring others over Allah. Whether it's a TV show, or it is some food, or it is some person, or it is our phone, whatever it may be. But we prefer others over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many, many times a day. When we delay our prayers, when we skip our prayers, when we shorten our prayers, when we don't read the Qur'an, because we say, I'm too busy, too busy, too busy. I have this to do, I have that to do. We are preferring others over Allah. And when we do that, this is the height of injustice. Musa alayhi salam, he reminds them of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings. Why? So that they would realize that Allah alone gave these blessings to us. And when you realize the favors, the favors that someone has shown to you, then you can be grateful. Then you can be appreciative. So Musa salam is reminding them of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings so that they can be thankful. They can worship Allah alone. And what is it that he mentions? وَإِذْ أَنْجَيْنَاكُمْ And recall when we rescued you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions over here that recall when we rescued you, O Bani Israel, مِنْ آلِ فِرْعَوْنَ From the people of Fir'aun. Why? Because يَسُومُونَكُمْ They were inflicting upon you. سُوءَ الْعَذَابِ Evil torture. Terrible torture. Terrible pain. عَذَاب is punishment, but it's also torture. Because عَذَب is to taste. Hmm? And عَذَاب is to taste bitterness and pain, torture. So imagine they were inflicting upon you severe form of torture. How? That يُقَتِّلُونَ أَبْنَاءَكُمْ They were killing your sons. وَيَسْتَحْيُونَ نِسَاءَكُمْ And they were keeping your women alive. وَفِي ذَلِكُمْ And in that for you all was بَلَاءٌ A great trial مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ From your Lord, عَظِيمٌ Great. From your Lord, there was a بَلَاءٌ عَظِيمٌ upon you, meaning a great trial upon you. So in other words, when you were suffering at the hands of Fir'aun, whatever it was, it happened as a test, as a bala. What does it show to us? That when Muslims suffer, when a believer suffers, anything, when a believer suffers at an individual level or at a greater level, meaning a whole community is suffering. Or let's say an entire family is suffering. Because there are different forms of difficulties that people experience. One is an illness that you are going through. You are experiencing in your life. It's in your body. Nobody can share it with you. People may feel the pain of it in the sense that when they see you in pain, they get hurt. They feel bad for you. But what you are suffering in your body, no one else can suffer. It's only limited to your body. But then there are some other difficulties that a person doesn't suffer in his personal life only, but he shares it with other people. So for example, a family, an entire family is suffering. How? That for instance, they are suffering from financial problems, severe financial problems. One person loses their job. Another person, he incurs a great loan. And then another person, he's in debt. Another person, he loses his money. His house is on fire. His business, it suffered a great loss. And sometimes you see that entire family, one person after the other is suffering. 
then we see that at a greater level, an entire community is suffering. An entire community is suffering in different ways. Now, when Muslims suffer, no matter what kind of suffering it is, whether it is at the hands of others, or it is because of something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed in their life, what is it? It is a bala. It is a trial, a test. From who? From who? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not adab. It is a bala. Because if we find someone in a lot of pain, we might become very judgmental. And we might say that, oh, he must have done something really horrible in their life. Hmm? This is why he's so sick. This is why she's alone. She must have been mean to others. And this is the reason why she's suffering like this. But what do we learn over here? That yes, our sins, they do have a role in what we suffer from, in the trials that we suffer from. But trials, they come from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why does Allah test His believing servants? Why? To make them stronger and to purify them and to bring them closer to Himself and it's like a warning for them of the punishment of the hereafter so that they improve themselves, they leave the sins that they're committing, they strive harder for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also to forgive some of their sins. Right? Because when we see people suffering, it hurts us a lot. And we wonder, why is this happening? Why? Remember that it's a test from Allah. We belong to who? Who do we belong to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna lillah. We have come from Him and eventually we are going back to Him. We belong to Him. And when we belong to Him, He can decide whatsoever He wants for us. Even though we might find it very difficult, but remember, we belong to Him. And whatever He decides for us, remember, it is not injustice on His part. Ever. Because what do we learn in the Qur'an? That your Lord is not at all unjust to His servants. One of the first names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we learn in the Qur'an is which one? Ar-Rahman. Who is Ar-Rahman? The Rahmatil Wasi'ah. The one who possesses vast, vast mercy. Meaning, every single person and every single thing is encompassed within the mercy of Allah. Even those who are suffering. When I was visiting England, I met some people And when I met them, I was very, very, very disturbed. There were people I met who were suffering so much in their personal lives. A lady I came across, she's extremely old and she lives all by herself. She has no family. Her husband died 20 years ago. She has no children. She has no family. No family. No family at all. Alone, where she lives. She has severe, severe form of arthritis that her hands are literally crooked. They're crooked. Imagine fingers that are going backwards. Her back is bent, literally. 
she's becoming blind. And imagine a person who lives alone. A person like this, with this health condition. But when I met her, I found out that nurses visit her in her house five times a day. Doesn't matter whether it's snowing outside. Doesn't matter whether it's Christmas Day. Doesn't matter whether it's New Year's. Doesn't matter. Every single day, five times a day, nurses will come to visit her to make sure that she's doing well and to put medication in her eyes, on her body, wherever it needs to be applied. And then she has amazing neighbors who look after her so well, so well that even relatives don't take care of you that much. Her house was clean, clean like I haven't seen anybody's house, really. Not dusty, no stain anywhere, walls like super clean, the kitchen very well organized. I mean the sitting room, the living room, very nice. I mean there's crystal everywhere and decoration pieces, artwork. I mean you would think that lots of people live here, but she's the only one who lives there. And her neighbors take care of her. They come and they visit her multiple times a day. They come and they prepare food for her. And as I was hearing about all these things, I realized that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abandons no servant. No servant. Allah has put her in a severe test, in a very, very difficult position. Bala'un alim, literally. But at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also helping her in so many ways. So many ways. That people, they love to be treated in this way. That five times a day, imagine nurses are coming to check up on you. You would think that person is very lucky. Right? And if you have such neighbors who come and cook for you, who come and help you go up and down the stairs, who go and do groceries for you, who take you out for a walk, who come and sit with you just to talk with you, Can you imagine? Allah doesn't abandon any servant. But He also puts His servants in tests. Why? To see what His servants do. Do they remain hopeful of Allah? Do they still appreciate the many blessings that He has bestowed them with? Or do they complain? Or do they become upset with Allah, angry with Him, that, Oh Allah, why did you inflict this upon me? What did I ever do that you did this to me? Allah is testing His servants. How do they behave? How do they react? And remember that the test, no matter how big or small it may be, eventually it will be over. Eventually it will be over. The Bani Israel, the slavery that they were living in, at that time it would seem impossible that they would ever come out of that situation. But how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rescued them? Changed their situation completely. So every trial, it comes to an end. But what remains? What remains? How you reacted. What you did at that time. So, وَفِي ذَلِكُمْ بَلَاءٌ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ عَظِيمٌ This was a great test. Now after the Bani Israel were rescued, they made this demand that we want to have an idol, we want to worship an idol as well. We see that they were clearly in need of knowledge. So what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called Musa alayhi salam 
to give him the Torah, to give him the scripture. Because the Bani Israel needed to learn. Let's listen to the recitation. وَجَاوَزْنَا بِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ الْبَحْرَ فَأَتَوْا عَلَى قَوْمٍ يَعْكُفُونَ عَلَى أَصْنَامٍ لَهُمْ قَالُوا يَا مُوسَى جَعَلْ لَنَا إِلَهًا كَمَا لَهُمْ آلِهَةً قَالَ إِنَّكُمْ قَوْمٌ تَجْهَلُونَ إِنَّهُمْ أُولَئِكَ مُتَبَّرٌ مَّا هُمْ فِيهِ وَبَاطِلٌ مَّا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ قَالَ أَغَيْرَ اللَّهِ أَبْغِيكُمْ إِلَٰهًا وَهُوَ فَضَّلَكُمْ عَلَى الْعَالَمِينَ وَإِذْ أَنجَيْنَاكُم مِّنْ آلِ فِرْعَوْنَ يَسُومُونَكُمْ سُوءَ الْعَذَابِ يُقَتِّلُونَ أَبْنَاءَكُمْ وَيَسْتَحْيُونَ نِسَاءَكُمْ وَفِي ذَلِكُمْ بَلَاءٌ مِّن رَّبِّكُمْ عَظِيمٌ 